The Old Testament reading is Psalm 2, Psalm 2, and this is the infallible and the inerrant word of God. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And now let's turn to the New Testament to Matthew chapter 27. And our New Testament reading and our sermon text is, New, is Matthew 27, verses, uh, verse 62, Matthew 27, verse 62 through 28, 15. Matthew 27, 62 through 28, 15. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, 
We will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's not an exaggeration to say that the entirety of the Christian faith uh, and uh, your hope as a Christian, it depends upon, it is based upon uh, the reality, the historical reality, the truth of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. If the bones of Jesus are still lying in some grave somewhere around Jerusalem, then what I'm doing right now is worthless, and what we're doing is worthless, and your hope in Jesus is worthless. If Jesus is still dead, we are the world's biggest fools, and we are wasting our time. First uh, Corinthians 15.19 says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But praise God, praise the Lord, that your hope in Christ is not based on a myth, it's not based on a mistake, nor on wishful thinking, but God in his infallible word has declared to us the truth that after his crucifixion, on the third day, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was raised from the dead. It truly happened. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Now, we believe in the truth of the resurrection because the Scriptures proclaim this truth to us, because the Scriptures are the very Word of God, Because God is truth himself who cannot lie, we accept the testimony of God's word to the truth of the resurrection. At the same time, one of the wonderful things about the accounts of the resurrection that are given to us in the New Testament is that they bear marks of authenticity. Uh, They are given to us as these matter-of-fact historical reports of what really took place that first Easter morning when the tomb was discovered to be empty. And one of the remarkable ways in which the Bible's account of the resurrection shows itself to be true is the fact that, according to all four Gospels, it was women who first discovered the empty tomb. It was women who first uh, encountered the risen Jesus and then who proclaimed this resurrection to the disciples. And this detail, that it was the women who were the first to bear witness to the truth of the resurrection, uh, is confirmation of the truthfulness of these accounts, because in that culture and in that day, women were not considered to be reliable witnesses. I'm sorry to say it, but that is just the way that it was uh, in that day. And so, if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel writers, if they were to set out to invent a story, to make up a story that they knew was false, but they wanted other people to believe about the resurrection of Jesus, the very last thing that they would do 
They absolutely would not do this. They would not say in their accounts, their stories, that it was women who discovered the empty tomb and who bore witness to the truth of the resurrection. The only way to explain why the gospel writers tell us that it was these particular women who were the first to report to the disciples of the resurrection of Christ is because the gospel writers were simply telling us the truth of what actually happened. But the women at the empty tomb, they are, they are far more meaningful to us than simply the fact that they were the first ones to see the risen Lord and to declare the good news of the resurrection. Rather, they show us a model. They give us an example of what faith in the risen Christ looks like. Uh, this is the very first Easter morning that we read about here in Matthew. And these women demonstrate for us what Easter faith is all about. And I have three points this morning. First of all, the women believed in the risen Jesus. Secondly, the women rejoiced in the risen Jesus. And thirdly, the women worshipped the risen Jesus. So first, the women believed in the risen Jesus. So who are these women anyway that we are talking about that discovered the empty tomb? According to Matthew's gospel, they are the two Marys. Uh, One was Mary Magdalene. Uh, This Mary, we know from other uh, portions of the New Testament, she was a devoted uh, follower of Jesus ever since Jesus had cast out from her seven demons. And by the way, this Mary Magdalene is almost certainly not uh, the same woman who was a former prostitute who was uh, forgiven by Jesus in Luke chapter 7. That's uh, conjecture and and probably not true. Uh, Mary Magdalene is absolutely not Uh, the wife of Jesus, as some people have claimed uh, for no reason. Uh, Rather, Mary Magdalene was a woman who was once demon-possessed, was delivered from that by Jesus, and became a very devoted and faithful follower uh, of the Lord. Uh, The second Mary in this passage is the one that Matthew refers to as the other Mary. Uh, She is the mother of James and Joseph, and the Bible doesn't tell us much about this Mary but that, like Mary Magdalene, she also was a faithful, devoted follower of the Lord Jesus. And Matthew tells us about the wonderful devotion that these two Marys demonstrated uh, toward Jesus. After all, the disciples abandoned Jesus on the night before his crucifixion. At the time of the crucifixion itself, in Matthew's gospel, the disciples are nowhere to be seen. But Matthew tells us that these two Marys were there. In chapter 27, verse 55, as Jesus was being crucified, they were looking on from a distance. They were there. They couldn't help Jesus, of course, but they were there with him as close as they could be. Matthew says, or or rather later, when Joseph uh, laid the body of Jesus uh, in the tomb and he rolled that great stone in front of the entrance of, of the tomb, Matthew says in verse 61, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. And of course, it was these same two Marys that got up early that first Easter morning, on Sunday morning, uh, to go uh, to the tomb and to minister to the body of Jesus. Uh, J.C. Ryle puts it this way, these two women were last at the cross and first at the tomb. And what, what incredible devotion loyalty 
love that these women showed towards Jesus. Where are the disciples at this time? The disciples have disappeared. They're nowhere to be seen. They're off hiding in the shadows somewhere. But these two women were there to be with Jesus during the agonizing final hours of his life. They were there to be with him even after he died to to take care of his body. And so these two Marys were devoted to Jesus. They loved Jesus. But they did not yet, at least at the beginning, they did not yet believe in Jesus. At least they did not believe in everything that Jesus had told them. We know that Jesus told his disciples three times that after he is killed, that he will be raised to new life. And there can be no doubt that these women were well aware of that teaching. So they knew what Jesus had taught, that after he would be killed, even crucified, he would rise from the dead on the third day. And he was very specific that on the third day, he would rise from the dead. But what does Matthew say in verse 1 of chapter 28? He says, Now after the Sabbath, before the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see uh, the risen Lord. Did they go that first Sunday morning to see Christ in all of his glory and his resurrection? No. They weren't expecting that. They went to see the tomb. Matthew says they went to see the tomb, the place of the dead. Matthew just tells us that they went to see the tomb, but we know from Mark and Luke that the women were also taking spices with them to the burial site. And so despite the fact all that they heard, perhaps from Jesus directly, at least from his disciples, that Jesus would be raised from the dead on the third day, nevertheless, they went to the tomb on the third day after his crucifixion, expecting to find the same lifeless body of Jesus that they saw Joseph put into the tomb three days earlier. But instead of seeing the body of Jesus, what they saw when they came to the burial place that Sunday morning was the absolutely terrifying and glorious sight of an angel from heaven. So overpowering was the presence of this heavenly being that the earth itself trembled. And not only that, but the Roman guards who were uh, guarding the tomb, they also, they trembled and they became like dead men. And so this angel uh, comes from heaven with all of the glory, uh, the majesty of heaven itself. Matthew says in verse, uh, in verse 3 that his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Uh, this is a reference to what the prophet Daniel said in his vision in Daniel chapter 7 concerning uh, the ancient of days, that is God himself. Uh, Daniel says that his clothing was white as snow. And so, although this angel was not God, he was an angel of God, nevertheless, he came in his presence with all the majesty, the glory of heaven itself. He exuded uh, uh, the, the holiness, the glory of God. It's as though heaven came down to earth to bear witness to the empty tomb that it no longer held the Son of God. The angel sat on the stone that he rolled back from the entrance of the tomb, and he said to the two Marys who stood there, he said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Isn't it fitting that it should be an angel of God who first proclaims to humans that the Son of God, the Christ, has been raised from the dead? 
When Jesus Christ came into the world in his incarnation, it was the angels of heaven who proclaimed from heaven to the shepherds in the fields that the Christ had been born. And now at the resurrection of the Christ, it is an angel of heaven declaring to these women that Jesus was resurrected. And we would think that because it is the resurrection of Christ, because it was announced by angels, that it would also be fitting, it would be appropriate, that the angels of heaven would also proclaim to the disciples that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But that was not God's purpose. That was not his will. Rather, it was his will that the proclamation of the news of the risen Lord should be entrusted to these two faithful women, to Mary and to Mary, who came to the tomb that morning. And so the angel says in verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And so Mary and Mary become the first preachers of the gospel. As Matthew Henry puts it, these women were made apostles of the apostles. Uh, What a privilege they were given. What an honor they were given to be the ones to announce to the disciples that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, after the angel told the women to go quickly and tell his disciples that he has been risen from the dead, they do exactly that. It's exactly what they do. In verse 8, it says they, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, the fact that they did so, the fact that these two women immediately obeyed the command of the angel to go and tell the disciples. And the fact that they were doing this with great joy shows that these women were convinced. They were believers now. They were convinced that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now keep in mind, they haven't yet encountered the risen Lord, but on the basis of the word of the angel and on the basis of the empty tomb, they believe, they believe that Jesus was no longer dead but that he was resurrected. And the faith, the belief of the women in the resurrection of Jesus stands in such stark, stark contrast to the unbelief of everybody else in this passage. The enemies of Jesus, they certainly did not believe in the resurrection of Christ. Matthew tells us at the end of chapter 27 how the chief priests And the Pharisees, how they conspired together with Pontius Pilate to try to ensure uh, that nobody would get the idea that Jesus uh, had been risen from the dead. And so they sealed the tomb. Uh, They set a guard of Roman soldiers around the burial place so that so that uh, the disciples could not steal the body and then claim that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And of course, that effort was a failure of colossal proportions. First of all, after the guards, after the resurrection, after they go to the chief priests and they tell them all that happened, the appearance of the angel and the empty tomb and all of that, the chief priests bribe the soldiers and they tell them to report to everyone the exact story of the very scenario that they were so desperate to try to avoid in the first place. That is the story that the disciples had come in the middle of the night to steal the body. And what's even worse The fact that these Jewish leaders had sealed the tomb and that they had set a guard around it in order to keep the disciples from stealing the body, that makes their story all the more unbelievable, all the more implausible. 
people would think, are you kidding me? These Roman soldiers fell asleep on their watch? Soldiers do not do that. In that day, to do so would be at the risk of losing your life. And they would think, at the sound of this tremendous stone sitting in front of the, or, you know, set in front of the tomb, that the sound of the stone being moved did not wake up the soldiers? And they would think, if these soldiers slept through it, well, how did they know that the disciples came in the middle of the night to steal the body? And so the very thing that they desperately tried to prevent, the truth of the resurrection being spread, they actually furthered the believability of the resurrection by what they did. In Psalm 2, we are told that the Lord laughs at the utter folly of his enemies, trying so vainly to overthrow his rule over them. Psalm 2, 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. And since that's the case, we have to think that the Lord had a good chuckle uh, that first Easter morning as he looked down on the folly of his enemies trying so desperately to prevent the truth of the resurrection from getting out. But what wasn't so funny was the unbelief in the hearts of the enemies of Christ, the darkness, the blindness, the unbelief that drove them to such measures to do whatever they could do to keep this truth from getting out. Ironically, unlike uh, the disciples and even unlike the two women, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they very much remembered the words of Jesus that he said that he would rise on the third day. And when they, so, so they knew what Jesus predicted. They knew that Jesus himself had raised people from the dead. And then they heard the testimony of the guards when the guards came back uh, from the, the tomb. They heard their testimony that they saw an angel from heaven. And no doubt, after the guards had come to, they went into the empty tomb and that the tomb was empty. And nevertheless, despite this testimony, these chief priests and these Pharisees, they just hardened their hearts even more in their unbelief. They refused to believe the truth. And for the soldiers, they personally saw the glory of this angel from heaven. They saw the empty tomb, and yet they also refused to accept the truth that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And the unbelief of the enemies of Jesus in this passage demonstrates the spiritual blindness of the human hearts. The hearts that refuses to accept the truth of the resurrection. This is the natural bent of our hearts. We will not believe the truth of God's word and that Jesus was raised from the dead unless God first changes us and gives us grace and enables us to see what we will refuse to see in our spiritual blindness. And so it is only by the grace of God that a sinner such as you and I can come to the living Christ as our Lord and Savior. If we were in the soldier's place, we also, apart from the grace of God, we would deny resurrection of Jesus, even if we had seen it with our very eyes. And so, if you believe in Christ, if you believe that Jesus raised him from the dead, give thanks to God. Your faith is a gift to enable you to see what only God can give you the grace to see. So the two Marys, they believed in the resurrection. God was gracious to them and 
God would be gracious also to the disciples. But they were slow to believe. The enemies of Christ refused to believe. The disciples were slow to believe. Luke, in his gospel, tells us that when the women came back from the empty tomb, when they shared with them the incredible news that Jesus had been raised from the dead, Luke says the disciples responded in this way. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And so the enemies of Jesus plunged themselves deeper into spiritual blindness. The disciples of Jesus, despite all that they have been taught, despite the words of the women, their testimony, they do not believe, but the women believed by God's grace. And they demonstrate the only right, the only right response to the resurrection of Jesus. And that is believing it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we could say that this is the original, this is the ultimate uh, inconvenient truth. It's a truth that many have tried to deny. Uh, We see here in this passage, even on the very first Easter morning, the very day of the resurrection of Christ, people were already hard at work in order to explain it away, to deny that this actually took place. Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, they said. It was his disciples who came in the middle of the night to steal his body. And in history, people have come up with all kinds of other supposed explanations for the empty tomb. Well, Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, but the disciples, they went to the wrong tomb. It was a mistake. The tomb they went to that was empty was another tomb. Or Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, but he merely fainted. He lost consciousness and he came back uh, to consciousness sometime in the grave and came out of the tomb and they thought it was a resurrection. Or the disciples were just hallucinating when they saw what they thought was the risen Jesus after his crucifixion. And to be honest, it takes more faith to believe any of those explanations than simply to believe the truth that the tomb was empty because Jesus was raised to new life. We may try to explain away the resurrection of Jesus We may ignore the resurrection of Jesus. We may think that it is irrelevant to us, but the truth is the tomb is still empty and Jesus is alive and he is very, very well. And one day, one day, you will have to deal with the risen Christ. You will have to deal with the risen Christ. Either you will come to him by faith in this life as your savior from sin and death. Or you will come before him in the life to come as your condemning judge. And the Lord Jesus, he is declaring to you through his word this morning. He is saying to you, I have been raised from the dead. And I am the Lord and the Savior of sinners. And I am the Savior of all who come to me by faith. Believe. In the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he died for your sins, believe the truth that he was raised from the dead. And this is the only way for you and me to be saved from our sins. There is no other way for us to be forgiven. There is no other way for for us to escape that judgment that we deserve because of our guilt and sin. The only way to be saved is to come to faith in the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. So first, the women believed in the risen Jesus. Secondly, the women rejoiced in the risen Jesus. Uh, There's at least one thing that the women and the soldiers at the tomb had in common, and that was they were both filled with fear at the appearance of this angel from heaven. Now, for the soldiers, it was a pure, undiluted fear, a dread of the Holy One, of God, really, in the presence of this angel. And they became like dead men. They were overcome by their fear. But the fear of the women was mixed with joy, with great joy. Verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And what filled the hearts of these women with joy is, was not merely that they believed in the resurrection of Jesus, but for them, unlike for the enemies of Christ, the resurrection was good news. For the women, it was not just good news, it was great news. It was stupendously, marvelously, wonderfully great news. The Lord that they had loved with all their hearts, the Lord that had inspired in them such depths of devotion and loyalty, the Lord whose death was so devastating, so heartbreaking, he was alive again. How could their hearts possibly contain such joy that they felt when they heard that news from the angel that he is risen, Jesus is risen. And if the two Marys had every reason to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus, so do you and I. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our triumph over sin and death and evil forever. The resurrection of Jesus is God's declaration that the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross, his atonement, satisfied his demands of justice. So that if your faith is in Jesus Christ, your faith is in Christ because he lives Because he is alive, therefore, your sins are forgiven and you have life in him forevermore. And this is really a fruit of genuine faith in Christ, genuine belief in the resurrection. The fruit of that is joy. It is possible, and I'm sure there are many people uh, who believe in the resurrection of Jesus in a kind of detached, abstract way. In an intellectual way, yes, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. But their belief goes no farther than that. But if you also know yourself to be a sinner, that there is no hope for you, no hope for you apart from Jesus Christ, then just like these two Marys, the resurrection of Jesus is not just something that is true, but it is good news. It is great news that fills you with great joy. And if rejoicing is the fruit of a genuine belief in the resurrection, then worshiping Christ is an even greater fruit. And that brings us to to our third and final point. The women rejoiced in the risen Jesus. Matthew tells us that as the women were on their way uh, to announce the good news to the disciples that Jesus had been raised... They encountered the risen Lord himself. Uh, Matthew says that he greeted them. And then in verse 9, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Uh, In that culture, for somebody to grab hold of uh, a person's feet was to show submission to that person or obeisance to that person. It was 
uh, something that you might do to a great person, a ruler or a king, you would, you would express your uh, giving honor to that person by grabbing, taking hold of his feet. And that's what the women did because uh, Jesus was their Lord and they worshiped him. They worshiped him. And notice that Jesus doesn't stop them. Jesus doesn't tell them, don't worship me, that's not appropriate. And why was that? It was because Jesus, he is the proper and true object of our worship. He is true God and true man. Now that, is, that has been true of Jesus, that was true of Jesus from the moment that he was conceived, that he was true God and true human at the same time. And therefore, he has always been. He has always been worthy of our worship. But there's a sense in which when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, that he entered into a state of glory. It's, in a, it's as though he was now crowned with glory as the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And therefore, after his resurrection, he is all the more to be worshipped and praised as the Lord. Romans 1.4 says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And I believe that the two Marys, that they understood intuitively, instinctively, that when they came into the presence of the resurrected Jesus, that the first thing they must do, all that they must do at that moment would be to bow down to him and worship him. Matthew Henry tells us this about the resurrection. All the powers of death and darkness are under the control of the God of light and life. And the God of light and life is none other than Jesus, the risen Jesus. And so if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, not only will you rejoice in that because it is good news for you, but you will worship Christ. You will worship Christ. And so the two Marys, they show us what Easter faith is all about. And I want to leave you with these questions this morning. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is living, that he is at the right hand of God the Father, that he has conquered sin and death and hell forever for you? But not only do you believe it, but do you rejoice in it? Is this good news for you because you know that in Christ he is your only hope for salvation and he has secured that salvation for you by his death and resurrection? And finally, do you worship? Do you worship Jesus as your Lord, as the risen Lord and Savior of sinners and your Savior? Let's pray.